Electronic Specifier. Hello and welcome back to Electronic Specifier Insights and today I'm pleased to be joined by Ed Ormond who is the Chief Executive and Secretary of the Institution of Engineering and Technology. So Ed, thank you very much for joining us. How, how are you doing today? Yeah, all good. Thanks and uh, nice to meet you Paige. Yes, excellent. Well, as I say, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. So let's start, if you will, with just a brief introduction of yourself and your background. Yeah, so it's probably worth starting at the beginning. And my very first memory is actually of the moon landing as a very young child in a, in a sleeping bag. And I've always been interested in, in how things work, particularly the natural world. So I started my career in biology and went on to biotechnology. I spent some time in the research community, working actually in chemical engineering departments in the US. But I came back to the UK and I came to a point in my career actually where responsibilities and, and mortgages became more important than what I was interested in. So I did train as an accountant. But after a while, that actually took me back into the construction sector and eventually to the IET. So I'm working as finance director at the IET for quite a long time, worked my way up, as it were, through the ranks and recently got permanent appointment as Chief Executive of the IET. Yeah, excellent. Well, congratulations on your recent appointment. So tell us a little bit more about the IET. You know, what is it that the organisation does? Yes, well, it does a lot of different things, Paige. So we're probably well known as a membership body. We have 155,000 members across the globe, 148 countries. We are a provider of research solutions. So we've got a portfolio of journals and books and a database solution. We are well known, of course, as co-producers of the wiring regulations, which is, as everyone knows, the the standard for electrical installation in the UK. But we're also a not-for-profit, and our purpose is working to engineer a better world. So in addition to what I've just talked about, we also provide quite a lot of input to government on policy, deliver quite a lot of work in schools to encourage engagement with STEM as a potential career choice. Excellent. So tell us a little bit more then about becoming a member of the IET. You know, what does the application process look like and what are the benefits that you'd get? So I think the first thing to say is actually it's easier than perhaps some people think. We're actually an open organisation. So anyone who's interested in science, engineering or technology is welcome to join us. You can just visit the website and it's a relatively easy sign up. And that brings you in to the the IET community gives you an opportunity to connect with like-minded professionals and access some of our membership services. For some people, they want to continue their journey on to professional registration. So that might be EngTech or CEng. And when you get to that point, obviously it's a much more rigorous process looking at your competencies. There's an interview involved, chartership, but we're able to support people through that journey. But as I say, if you just want to come and get involved, that's a very straightforward process and everyone can join the IET. So let's drill down then a little bit closer. So if I was an engineer looking to build my career and acquire sort of new skills and knowledge, what type of resources do you offer? So there's a lot there. We've talked about some of the technical knowledge in our publications. We've got a range of events, event types. We've got the opportunity, as I've talked about, to achieve recognition. We've got professional development programs. We've got professional topic-based communities where you can interact with colleagues who share your interests. We've got structured approaches, particularly for younger people entering the career. We've got quite a lot of support about 
mapping your career journey and access to mentors and that sort of thing. So there's a wide range of stuff which you can you can find via the website. Well, that leads me nicely on to my next point, actually, which is, you know, what about someone that is considering a career in engineering? You know, there's a route into engineering to suit everyone, whether that's, you know, earning and learning at the same time or staying in full time study. But the decision to either study an apprenticeship or go to university can can be tricky for some people. So first of all, talk us through the benefits of someone studying engineering at university. You know, why might they pick that as an option? Well, the first thing to say, I think, is that engineering is a both a very rewarding career choice, but also in high demand, whichever route you access it. But in terms of study at university, this obviously is giving you a, a sound understanding of of the engineering principles, but it should also allow you to practice those skills so that you are ready for the workplace. And a good course will often engage in what we call problem-based hands-on learning and bring you into contact with potential employers. So if you're looking for a, a degree course, obviously choose an IET accredited degree, but also yeah, look out for those interactions with industry and problem-based hands-on components to the course. Okay, so what about apprenticeships then? Because they're often a, a very popular alternative to university. So what benefits do they offer and why might someone pick an apprenticeship over university? Earlier, Paige, you actually used the phrase learn and earn. And I think that is a consideration for many people. But apprenticeships are a fantastic way for young people to continue their studies whilst experiencing the realities of work. And they give employers an opportunity to develop the particular skills that they need to fill their roles and and skills gaps. So it's a great opportunity to to meet the needs of both the apprentice and the employer and hopefully will lead to long-term employment. And we need to start challenging people's mindsets about the benefits of apprenticeship. And, And apprentices have all the opportunities in their career that people starting in a university course do, in that employers are looking for for talent. And once young people get into their employment, I think the limit to where they can get to is based on their their personal attributes and capabilities rather than their entry point. And we run a a number of sort of awards programs. And every year we we award Apprentice of the Year, Young Woman, Engineer of the Year, and, and so forth. And when we look at the the sorts of people who are coming forward and winning those awards, we are finding people, for example, who are apprentices who are early in their careers engaged in writing the policy around safety and getting engaged in product development, leading product development teams. So our, our Young Women Engineers of the Year this year leads product development around technology that supports monitoring of people with cancer, for example. You know, these are significant and important jobs which people are accessing via the apprentice route. So I really would recommend people take a close look at those opportunities. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and despite the, the benefits that you've highlighted there and, and despite a modest uptick in numbers last year, I understand that the engineering related apprenticeships in England are still 9% lower than they were in 2014 slash 15. And and what's more, the uptake varies by subject with a, a 34% decline for engineering and manufacturing technologies. So what, what do you think the reasons are behind this decline in engineering apprenticeships? 
this is, this is relatively new data that's come out and it, it, it's worrying given the importance of engineering and technology to the, the success of the UK economically, socially, and in terms of tackling the big issues like climate change. So I suspect there's going to be a number of factors at play, including the impacts of the pandemic. But I think it's it's right, and, and the, certainly the IT is very pleased to see that there has been an inquiry launched into this, and it's led by, I think it's cross-party, led by Lord Knight and Lord Willits. From our perspective, we do know a lot of organisations have struggled to initiate and maintain apprenticeship programmes, particularly smaller organisations not, not making use of the funds that are available. And one thing that we're very keen to see is government address the the difficulty of navigating a, a career through secondary school with limited awareness of engineering and technology as career choices. And it's associated, I think, with this uh, decline that we've seen in design and technology in schools. So we've been working with partners in the sector and we've identified in a report and launched you know, five simple steps that we think could be taken to improve matters in terms of, of encouraging more young people into the pipeline. And that includes opportunities like embedding engineering specifically into our national curriculum. We think we should be refocusing the design and technology topic around engineering and design and looking to see that included in the English baccalaureate, the EBAC, as one of the subjects that counts. We think there should be engineering training actually in initial teacher training. So making sure that teachers have got the knowledge they need and actually provide a little bit more funding into those sorts of programmes so that we've got high quality teaching. And And we think those sorts of interventions are quite urgent now to make sure that we don't miss out on uh, a generation of young people coming through into fulfilling engineering careers. Excellent and and following on from that tell us a little bit more about some of the ways the IET is trying to encourage the younger generation to consider a career in STEM. You know you guys have got platforms like Tomorrow's Engineers, the Faraday Challenge Days and the first Lego competition so tell us a bit more about those. Yes, I think the first thing to say is, of course, IET is just one of quite a lot of engineering institutions in the UK, alongside other partners like Engineering UK and the Royal Academy of of Engineering. And we're all putting our sort of shoulders to the wheel in terms of of trying to support young people coming into into the profession. And a good place to start, I think, for teachers, parents or kids who are interested in getting some information and accessing a whole sort of range of, of typically hands-on experiences is something called Neon Futures. I think it's neonfutures.org.uk. And that will, that will give you an insight into a lot, of, a lot of opportunities for people. But for us, we run a number of, of initiatives targeted at very young children and their parents. So we run a campaign called Engineering a Better World, and that's, that's in, to encourage parents to work with their kids in thinking about the roles of engineers and getting an awareness of that, we run Engineering Open House, which is an opportunity for parents to take their children along to engineering organisations or organisations with a big sort of technology component and see behind the scenes. And the reason we do that is because a lot of kids have engineering closed off as a career choice by their family environment, really. They don't know anyone who's in the engineering space and a lot of parents 
don't understand what the opportunities are and feel that other career choices, the traditional sort of finance, law and medicine and that sort of thing are, are the professions of choice. So a lot of kids don't really ever get an insight into engineering. So it's really important to catch those kids early. You mentioned First Lego League, and we run First Lego League early on in, in primary schools. In fact, you, you know, we start at the sort of Duplo age almost to give kids, you know, just an insight to a, to a world of problem solving and how people think about engineering solutions, but on a very sort of manageable human scale. And those programs run through primary and secondary schools. We try and get those programs as much as possible into those schools where kids will have fewer opportunities to engage. And I think the role models is is important again. So coming back to some of those young, successful engineers and technicians who can tell their stories for young people that are relatable. So a whole lot going on in, in that space and competitions, all sorts of things. And as I say, policy really important because although there's a lot of people trying to support STEM education, ultimately it's policy that's going to drive you know, what's required, which is a sort of comprehensive recognition of engineering and technology across the curriculum and as a very attractive career choice for young people. Yeah, definitely. A great point there and some great initiatives that that you guys have got. Okay, so following the announcement then of your recent appointment as CES, you said that your focus for this year includes driving forward our influence, knowledge and expertise to show the role that engineering and technology plays in the future of our society and planet specifically in solving societal challenges so tell us why is this such an important focus for you well the the issues our planet faces today do require unprecedented collaborative action and engineering i think is central to addressing one of those problems you know particularly something like sustainability and climate change we're also interested in issues like digitization so making sure that as more and more of our world becomes based on digital technologies that those are safe robust and inclusive and this is you know reflects our not-for-profit purpose so the purpose of the IT is as all charities deliver benefit to the general public and these are the issues that impact us all as citizens the most and the IT has an opportunity to draw together expertise from its members and other others provide some sort of impartial analysis of the opportunities and solutions to do something about these big challenges and also provide you know relevant impartial information to members of the general public who are are interested to know how engineering can help solve some of these problems fantastic and it's been really great to hear about all the initiatives that the IET does and i think it's very clear that Obviously, you've got some some passion for the, for the organisation's purpose and values. So what are you looking forward to the most about your, your new role here? Well, I love to spend time meeting engineers and talking about technology and, and what's happening in our sector. But what I, what I most look forward to is being able to say that the IT has made a real difference to engineers and the society they serve. So we really do believe in the principle of, of engineering a better world. Fantastic. Well, before we wrap up then, is there anything else that you'd like to add to the discussion? No, I think we covered a lot of ground. Just to say this is my first podcast as Chief Executive of the IT, so thanks for the invite. And if anything catches uh, listeners' imaginations, please do visit our website and see how you can get involved. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Ed. It's been a real pleasure having you.
Great, thank you. Electronic specifier.